Good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to everyone in the building. Eight of us. And good morning to all of those at home. Thank you so much for joining us. It's um, yeah, it's really exciting to have some people back in the building today. Um, a little nerve-wracking, actually, as well, to be surrounded by people. But it's um, it's so fantastic that restrictions have lifted a little. Um, yeah, this week's been a big week, hasn't it, everybody? It's, um, you know, a few changes, but we're allowed to be near people and, you know, make sure you go and say hello and catch up with somebody for a socially distanced coffee this week, hey, guys? And I just want to give a bit of a shout-out to all those parents. Like, we've got one week to go and God sees you and God knows that this has been really tough, but he's completely got it in his hand. Um, we're going to start worship today with a song, Awake My Soul, and there's this line in it that he says, where every promise is amen. And it's that reminder that, like, just because when we pray for things, amen is God's will be done. So it's not when we say amen, like, this is what we want, God, this is what, it's giving it to God and allowing him to have his way. So let's sing and just, from your couch, guys, do you want to stand and praise?
Yes, Lord, we choose to praise you. We choose to join together. Even though we are in our homes and that we seem like we're separate and we seem like we're isolated, we choose to praise you and we know that our praises rise up to you and they rise up to you together. And Lord, we just ask that you accept our praise this morning because we love you in Jesus' name. Welcome to church. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the select few that made it into the building. Um, It's really good to have you with us this morning and have you joining us on a beautiful spring day where we've got a bit of sun and a bit of cloud and a a bit of wind and we're probably going to have a bit of rain, which is typical Victoria. But it's nice to see the, the season changing, which just encourages us that things are new and things are improving and things will get better. So take this minute to check in. If you haven't, put a little comment in uh, the chat. If you're watching online on whatever medium you're watching, just so we know you're here. If you have the Church Centre app, um, check in for your online with that, just so we know that you're with us this morning. It would be really, really helpful. Uh, Restrictions are changing all the time, uh, as you know. So we're never quite sure from week to week what we're going to be up to at church. So really keep an eye out. Keep an eye on your emails. Keep an eye out in the Facebook regulars um, for Sale Baptist Church. And we will try and let you know as soon as we know what the new setting for the coming Sunday is going to be. Um, We're the same as you. Things change dramatically one day to the next sometimes. So at the moment, uh, this is where we're at. We can't have too many people in the, in the building, but we can have a more um, complete team. Uh, but we'll let you know as that changes. Uh, youth is still meeting, or is able again, I should say, to meet in person, which Brock is really excited about, which is good. <laughs> and the other two people are excited too. Um, <laughs> But that's great. So they can meet again in person, which is fantastic. And it's going to be great for our young people to actually meet and see each other again. Kids is still online at the minute, but we're coming up to school holidays anyway, so it's going to be three weeks off. So who knows? In four weeks' time, anything could happen. Hopefully, we'll be back on again. But like I said, we will let you know. So more important than ever, if we haven't got your email... Um, it's more important than ever that we do so we can keep you up to date with what's going on. So if you haven't got it, let us know. There's a Connect card in the um, chat and there should be a um, Next Steps card coming up in the chat. So you can use those to communicate with us and if we haven't got your details, please let us know so that we can keep you in the loop, you can get a weekly newsletter and you can really know what's going on. So there's not much else in the way of announcements because everything else is on hold, as you know. But, yeah, just stress that we need to be able to communicate with you so we can let you know what's happening because things are changing pretty quickly at the moment. I was just reflecting this morning that um, more than ever we seem like we're becoming um, isolated and we're becoming divided. Um, we used to have this friendly rivalry between states, which is now becoming a, a bitter rivalry between states as people 
complain about states not opening up or they are opening up too soon and things like that. There's more and more arguments and more and more angst between people about wearing masks or uh, vaccinations or social distancing or whether we should open up or we shouldn't or should be back at school or shouldn't. And it, it feels like we're becoming very divided, which is something I'm sure the enemy loves to see. Everyone pulling back into their isolated little cocoons. So more than ever, I think, as followers of God, we need to be people who are peacemakers. We need to be people who are promoting unity. We, we need to be bringing unity back into our community. I just want to share with you a little reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 4, 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or argument. Show yourselves innocent and above reproach, faultless children in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in a dark world and proffer the word of life. So now is our time to stand out as people who are peacemakers, people who do promote unity. No matter what we think ourselves, what our personal opinions are, we need to be showing love and bringing people together and giving them that word of life. This, this is our time to bring God's light and life and hope into our communities. So let's do that. Uh, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you are Lord of all of this. Nothing surprises you, nothing is beyond your control, nothing is beyond your power, uh, nothing is unforeseen by you. Lord, help us to have the perseverance, um, help us to have the hope and light that you give us and help us to carry that out into our community. Lord, we remember those who need your healing touch at the moment. As we each call those names to mind that we know that need you at this moment for physical healing that need you for mental healing that need you for emotional healing and Lord that need you for those healings in relationships whether they're within families whether they're within marriages or workplaces Lord, we pray today in Jesus' name that you bring healing to those situations. Lord, help us be the peacemakers that you have asked us to be. Help us be the carriers of light into this darkness that surrounds our community. And Lord, more than anything, help us to bring your love to the people who need it most that are around us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just join with us as we worship again. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, this morning, Brad was sharing with us about a passage from Ephesians, and he was talking about showing up and kind of commenting that for showing up this morning and about giving 100% in everything. And I was thinking about that and thinking how it's reflected in everything we do. So it's not just about showing up to church, it's about 
showing up. As Steve was just saying, you know, these walls are going up. These walls are going up in our community. And we need to show up and give 100% love, 100%, and give 100%. Don't just stand there. Give of yourself. Um, I often find as soon as these cameras start rolling, my walls go up and I can't give 100%. And compared to the worship I had in my shower this morning, it's very different. So I just encourage you to just, you know, even those at home, your worship at home, you can worship how you want. You don't have to sit there. Give 100%. Give God your 100%. This is a song we've only done once before. But um, it's just our souls singing, our hearts singing, giving 100% to God. Please join us in worship.
God, I thank you that you do love us. God, as we stand here this morning before you, God, we declare again that you are our first love. And we thank you because you have been so good to us. You've been good to me personally. And you've been good to us as a community. You have blessed us so abundantly and we are so grateful. God, thank you for being our first love. Thank you for loving us first and moving towards us first so that we can love you. God, thank you for being here with us wherever we are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Here we are. I don't often do this. The last time I did this, I was helped onto the stage because I'd broken my back that morning, like literally. And um, yesterday was such a beautiful day and I thought, I'll do some gardening. And then I thought, don't do that. And I didn't. Well, I did a little bit, but, you know. Anyway, so I was very proud to get onto the stage by myself this morning and I'm standing here. I can move. It's great. All right. Here's the scripture. Interestingly, this is given in the, t- in the context of a plague and it is from Second Chronicles 7 and it says this. At times I mu- this is God speaking to Solomon. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. So the SBC staff are saying, oh, I've heard this one. But it's all right because I've fleshed it out a little bit, okay. Um, I used this for a devotion a couple of weeks ago um, and it just won't go away. So I'm going to share this with you now. So we'll come back to this scripture a little bit. There's a lot in here. Um, But the main thing that I noticed about it this time that I read it was that second part, um, how God wants to heal our land, how he wants to forgive our sins, how his heart is for us. So it's easy to focus on that first part, the part where there's a lot for us to do, almost in a guilty sort of a way, and we can get very distracted by that, and we will talk about that today. But I just didn't want you to miss God's heart for us in that second part, the way that he wants to heal our land and forgive us. So here are some other things that I'll touch on. Um, Really, this message is about revival, the kind that transforms societies and personal revival that always precedes transformational revival. And it will also be about prayer as well, because you can't separate those three things. They all have to go together. Revival is coming. There doesn't seem to be much question about that if you listen to prophetic leaders around the world. How much do we want to be a part of that? 
A couple of years ago, our local uh, ministers group that meets every month um, had a real sense that God was starting to move in our community in, in this revival type of way. Um, we could see in the way that we were planning events and people were being touched that something was starting to happen. We could re- have a real sense of God's spirit moving in our community. And um, this was very exciting to us. It was quite tangible and uh, lots of us were feeling it in, in different ways as well. So, um, like I said, it was really exciting. Um, It feels like we've lost a little bit of that over the last couple of years and um, I'm sure it isn't because God isn't moving. Um, I'm sure it's just because we've lost that sense of it because we haven't been able to meet as we would like. Uh, We still have met on Zoom as ministers and, and we've still planned some things, even one thing that we did last week. But it wasn't in person and it wasn't how we wanted it to be. And, and we've just lost that, that sense of what God is up to. It's frustrating, but we know that it's not finished yet. All right, so talking about revival, I'll just share a few stories with you of revival that has occurred in history. And I love reading about this, um, not in a chasing after the experience type of way, but in a way that um, it just um, really builds my faith for what God has done and what he continues to do and what he will do in the future. Um, so it's a bit of a flying sort of overview. I've, I've just chosen a few stories to share with you. Um, and some of you might know these stories more in depth than this, but for the sake of time, this is what we're doing. Hudson Taylor. Um, bit of a personal favourite. He uh, went to China when he was age 21. I don't know what you were doing when you were age 21, but I wasn't going to China by myself uh, with 10 pounds in my pocket. And he really felt called by God to go to China and particularly to inland China. And he had a really different and radical way that he was reaching out to the Chinese people. Um, there was apparently not lots not to love about the way that he did ministry. I think he was a hard taskmaster with those that he was working with. Um, but he, he didn't spend his time with rich and influential people. He spent his time with the Chinese people and he grew his hair like them. He had a, a pigtail and he, he adopted their, um, their dress and he really lived in community with them and reached out to them. Um, when he died 51 years later, there were 129,000 Chinese Christians that were attributable to his work. It's easy for me to say. Um, And 35,000 that he personally baptised. So um, this is an extraordinary thing. And 800 missionaries had joined him in in his work there. That has to have been a move of God's spirit in that man's life and in the work that he was doing as well to find a person who would sacrifice like he did. So the rest of his life was given to this ministry. Um, And he partnered with God in what God called him to do. Then there was John Wesley. Um, He spent uh, 50 years crisscrossing the UK riding his horse because that's how you did ministry back then. Um, And after 50 years of, of ministering like that, so he had others on his team for sure, but this was his ministry Um, he had 77,000 Methodists that were attributable to his work. So you might say, Jack, that's really just people. Uh, They're just doing the thing that God called them to do and that's not really revival, that's just just people being faithful. Um, Okay, so another example, the Moravian revival in the early 1700s. So the leader of this was a contemporary of Wesley um, and... 
to a large extent inspired Wesley in his work. He he would look at what was happening happening with the Moravian people and say, why can't we do that? Let's do what they're doing. Um, they started a 100-year prayer movement. Just think of that. So not even just one person's lifetime, but generations. And they had 24-7 prayer. So 24 women, 24 men were always rostered um, every day to pray. Um, and... I was just thinking, even when I was reading through this this morning, there, there is a, a movement now called 24-7 prayer that, that has kind of started up again. So you can still do this. Like There are prayer rooms being set up all around the world for this 24-7 prayer. Um, Pete Gregg is the man who leads that. So we've read some stuff by Pete Gregg. It's not hard to find. He's written books like How to Pray, um, which you can tell what that book's about. Um, and, and then there's the prayer course. These things are not hard to find. But I just thought that was... Interesting that this is still happening. Anyway, in the Moravian revival, their whole society was changed and many were sent on mission to other countries. Um, so people around the world that were um, having ministries, the Moravian people would go there and um, travel there and, and they were known to be an extraordinary people, radically different because of what they believed. And children praying played a large part in this revival. So hold on to that thought. In Poland, uh, just before the Moravian revival, kids were gathering to pray. So here's a revival that was actually started by the children. So in Poland, their religious freedoms were being taken away. Um, The Catholic Church was trying to shut down everything that wasn't them. Um, And these kids had such a heart for being able to... um, explore their religious freedom and and meet and and pray how they wanted to. They arranged prayer meetings in the fields multiple times a day. So these kids had it all set up, wasn't parent-led at all. In fact, the parents tried to shut them down because they were afraid that they were going to get in trouble by the authorities, which they did. Um, They would read psalms, they'd sing hymns and they would pray, repenting of their sins. This is the kids, remember this is the kids doing this. And their parents eventually gathered around them and they joined in too and that's how the revival really uh, took off. Um, So like I said, yeah, some of the parents tried to shut it down and they tried locking the children in their bedrooms and they would just break out the windows and just go and meet um, as they planned. Um, Some of the authorities tried to shut this down and one one time there was um, a, uh, what do you call magistrate, went out with a whip into the fields where he knew that the kids were meeting and he was going to whip them and stop, break it up. Uh, And when he heard the children praying, he just found he couldn't use his whip. Um, Extraordinary. So, again, you might say, Jack, that's all in the past. That was all in the 1600s, 1700s, you know. That's then. It's not now. Um, So, a more modern one, uh, another personal favourite. So the Hebrides revival was uh, started in 1949 uh, by two women who were 82 and 84. One was blind and one was deaf. Um, And they felt led to pray because they were aware of the terrible state of their parish. Um, There was not one young person attending church in their parish and they said, that is enough and we're going to change this. So they committed to pray. They would pray on their knees, 82, 84, on their knees at night time. They would pray through the night every night. And then they thought, that's not enough. So we get our ministers to join in. So these two um, more mature ladies um, got their ministers and their elders to join them for prayer two nights a week. Um, 
I don't know if that reminds you of anyone, but I mean, these ladies were quite forceful and I think you can get a sense of maybe they were <laughs> quite difficult to deal with. Um, and maybe that stood them in good stead with God. <laughs> um, so anyway, after many weeks, and it was only weeks, the revival started to happen. At the end of a prayer meeting, they were convicted, like the people that were there were convicted, and they came to have an awareness of God. People stopped going to work and came uh, instead spent time with God. And then enter Duncan Campbell. So Duncan Campbell was seen by the sisters in their praying time, preaching to their church that was packed with people. And they knew that this was not somebody that they knew. So anyway, eventually Duncan Campbell comes on the scene and he came to the village for 10 days um, to see what was happening there. And on the first night at the end of the meeting that was attended by 300 people, so in some ways you could say we've done a pretty good job. We've got 300 already. Like, maybe maybe we can ease off a little bit now. You know, maybe this is it. This is the revival. Um, at the end of that night, it had been a good meeting, but it was unremarkable. Um, people were starting to uh, leave and uh, something happened right at the end. Um, people woke up from their beds in surrounding areas and they came to the to the church because they didn't know why but they just knew that they had to go there and people gathered at the police station in their hundreds because there was no more room at the church and they were convicted by God and they were laying on the ground weeping this continued for three years until the whole island was swept by the mighty power of God Duncan Campbell's 10-day visit lasted for two years two scriptures were particularly important during the early stages of this revival Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So this was being read and prayed in that meeting when revival came and was followed with this by a young deacon. As, as they were wrapping up and leaving, he said this from Psalm 24 verse 3 to 4. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who does not worship idols and never tells lies. He made this really personal, lifting his own, his own hands to God and asking, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? This young deacon. And that is when it happened. That's when the revival came. Everything just broke loose at that point. So that's still, still quite um, an old story. There would be people around um, in our church, actually, who, who might have been aware of that at the time or in the few years after that. But this is still happening, and you can, you can search this on the internet. Um, there is revival still happening around the world um, in significant and just community-changing ways. It's just extraordinary. There's a, a place called White Clay, I think, if you, if you look that one up. Um, yeah, it's just remarkable. Just two years ago, this, this thing happened there. It's just, it's, it's current. God is still doing this. It is not just something that happened in history. Something that we can't get away from when looking at historical revivals and from people who are speaking about revival now is the need for personal revival. This goes back to that first scripture I shared, if my people will humble themselves, seek and turn. 
And the prayer of that young deacon, are my hands clean, Lord? Interesting thing about that scripture is that it says, my people who are called by my name. (laughs) It doesn't say the thing that we hope it says and the thing that we often think it says, where we think that like society needs to turn back to God. Society does and, and they need to know God. Well, they do, but actually it's us. We're the ones who need to know God. That's what that scripture says. It's us. If it sounds like I'm pointing the finger at you guys, um, and I'm not meaning to in any way, so please bear that in mind throughout this whole message. I'm not meaning to point the finger. But if you think I am, just remember that there are three fingers pointing back at me while I'm pointing at you. And I love that there are people sitting in their lounge rooms right now practising that. Claire Ingram, I'm looking at you. Um, But anyway... When we start praying for revival, God will start with us first. He just will. As we seek God in prayer and join our hearts to his, he will speak to us and deal with each one of us personally about how we need to be consecrated and set apart for the special way he's planning to use us. This is not legalism. This is done in relationship. God will show us as we seek him. He will lead us to greater levels of holiness, and that's a word that we don't like anymore, uh, and purity. God wants us to be with him, to talk with him, and to share in the burden he has for the lost, and we will be transformed. Try not to hear this like a religious rules type of thing, but do hear it as God's heart for us, because he wants so much more for us. He wants us to be free from all the things that distract us from the life we're meant to be living. Being used by God to bring about revival is not restricted to people of a certain age, profession, level of education or wealth. But what does seem to be common to every person that God uses is that they live their lives in profound humility. So back to that scripture again. Another essential thing is prayer. You cannot separate revival from prayer. Usually lots of it for a long time precedes revival and it will precede personal revival too. We're talking intimacy with God type of prayer, presence to presence. Press in with prayer, wrestle with it and don't let it go. I've done this before for situations and I've seen other people do it too. You just press in and you keep praying until that thing changes. From this place, God will start to show you things and share his heart. And he won't share his heart with you until you're ready. So you might need to press in for a while. You'll catch the wind of his spirit. This type of prayer is preceded by appetite or hunger for God. So if you don't feel you have that yet, this is a good place to start. Ask God to stir up a hunger in you for him. So hunger for spending big chunks of time uh, with God in prayer. So even when he's not talking back to you, even when it just seems like there's nothing happening. Sometimes you just need to wait. I'm not quite there yet. I can spend an hour, um, but there are people who can spend way longer than that and they're hearing nothing back, but they just know that they need to wait on God. But I'm hungry for it. I want it. Um, And so, yeah, I've already started on that journey. As we seek God and spend time with him, asking him to share his heart with us, we can expect that he will start to show us things about ourselves that we need to deal with. 
not in a legalistic or a religious, so here we go again, show me something else I can't do type of way. But seriously, if there is something that we need to know, we're just better off knowing it, aren't we? One of the speakers that I listen to refers to this as our must-nots and explains it in the context of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was told, um, God said about John the Baptist before he was born that he would be great, that he must not drink wine and strong drink and that um, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, The point is, wine was fine to drink in their culture, but this was a specific thing for John the Baptist, that he was set aside for a special purpose, so wine was not okay for him to drink. God had something special for him, and so he wasn't allowed to do that thing. Um, I was thinking on the way here that we're a little bit um, John the Baptist-esque in our the way that we uh, prepare the way for revival, uh, that we, we are the ones who are preparing that way through um, encounters with God and, and the way that we pray. And so there might be things that we need to let go, set aside. What might your must-nots look like? I'm not talking sin. We all must not do that. But what are the specific things that God might ask you to forgo because of the special role he has for you? Maybe it's drink, maybe it's food, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's watching things, um, all of which might be fine for other people to do, but for you, that'll be a huge distraction or a trap, uh, and so that might not be okay for you. You might might have to must not that. This speak, the same speaker that I was listening to, um, he, he talks about uh, the way that he asks God to reveal those things to him, and he prays to God, shock me now. Don't shock me later. I want you to shock me now. I want you to tell me the things that I need to change now. And that's that's sort of my point here. Um, There will be things that we need to abandon with the expectation of something far greater. So sometimes to grasp something, you need to let go of what's already in your hand so that you can grasp something even better. Does this all seem a bit extreme? Or can we compare and contrast it with a picture of an athlete in training? They have a goal they are trying to reach. They can see it. They know what it looks like. And they know that to get there, they have to make a plan. They know that they have to change their diet, their exercise, their sleep, their social habits, whatever is necessary to reach that goal. And they have the goal because they can see it. And of course they let go of anything that might be a hindrance to them. And I'll bet they're asking their coach to shock me now. Don't leave it till race day. I can't fix it on race day. Shock me now so that I know what I need to fix. If all of that is considered reasonable for a sporting event, how much more for eternal things? Philippians 3 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. And that scripture even goes on to say that some people won't reach the goal because they won't give up the things that they need to give up along the way. So why is all of this important to be talking about now? Apart from that scripture uh, that sort of started me off, It just feels to me like a new year is starting. Um, 
I'm a Brit at heart. I will always be a Brit at heart. And it's September. And so in Britain, everyone is going back to work and back to school. They've had their summer holiday. Uh, and they're looking ahead because that's sort of when their year starts over there. And um, a little bit for me too. There's at least one person in the room nodding. Um, it's just, it feels like it's a new day. And um, yeah, I just... I get that sense that even though we've been through a really difficult season, um, it hasn't been like a holiday. It's been actually a lot more draining and a lot more tiring than that. But we're about to step out of that. It really feels like something new is happening. We can hopefully get back to something that's a little bit more normal as we step out of this time, a time where we can actually look ahead We can get involved. We can make plans that we might actually be able to uh, see come true, I guess. Um, And so the Brits, uh, a few of them have sort of said, because they've been in a difficult time over there, they've sort of said, I'm not sure that I'm ready for the new year. I'm not sure I've rested enough. I'm not sure, you know, I'm a bit scared of stepping into a new year when I haven't quite rested enough. And there's a little bit of a sense of that as well because we are quite tired. But... um, I just, yeah, I just feel like we're not writing this year off yet because we've still got like more than a quarter of it to go. But also, we need to be looking ahead. We need to be planning ahead for next year, which will hopefully be quite different. And I think it will. So knowing that, uh, what will we choose to leave behind that's unhelpful, distracting us from everything that God has for us? And what do we need to take up again or for the first time? that will help us in the special role that God has for each one of us? Will we choose to sacrifice our own wants so that God can use us more effectively? Will we spend time praying for our friends and loved ones, even people that we may never know, to come to know Jesus? Will we seek him for personal revival and transforming revival? Do you have a picture of what revival could look like, either for you personally or for our society? If not, then start praying about that. I do. I've been praying about this for a while now and I have dreams and visions for our Warwick community. Things that we're working towards in practical ways and things that only God can bring about in supernatural ways. I can see how God will bring, continue to bring revival through our ministries here at Sail Baptist Church. I can see a time when the faithful ministry of our youth leaders will result in the young people they minister to asking, can we pray more? Can we read the Bible more? And just on that, while we're talking about Brock, which we are, um, his little head just popped around. Um, That young man has a huge heart for the youth uh, that they are reaching out to and his insight is extraordinary and you, you guys need to know that. Uh, We get to see Brock behind the scenes and work with him a bit and and you guys just need to know that that's extraordinary. I can see the young ones in kids' ministry asking Pastor Steve if they can start a prayer group and pray more on Sundays and keep asking their friends to come too. I can see God working through the way we embrace the building a discipleship culture and making intentional relationships with people. Actually, we'll need those BDC principles to manage when all the new people start pouring in. I can see God working through Alpha 
and our fast alpha as you guys get a taste of what alpha can be and keep inviting your friends to come. I can see God working through our pastoral care team as you guys share with your friends how we care for one another here. I can see God working through our playgroup ministry as our leaders faithfully minister to so many families there. I can see God working through our Out for Lunch ministry as our team faithfully minister to the elderly people who come along for lunch once a month. I can see God working through our prayer ministry as people get a real heart for the things of God and want to be hungry about the things of God and they start showing up to our pre-service prayer meeting. And I can see how God can move in a miraculous way on our community in response to our prevailing prayers, causing people to just come. Many years ago, I had um, a vision from God, I believe, and uh, I've shared this a few times, but uh, it's just, it's as clear to me today as the day that I first saw it. And um, it was a vision of, of a kind of relief map, but um, huge, the size of our block, so seven acres of relief map of our Gippsland region and all of the towns are on there and the little hills, it's all there, the whole thing. And then I had this picture of us, Sail Baptist Church people, uh, stretched out across it with our arms linked. So we were that close, like we weren't stretched out, you know, separated. We were stretched out with our arms linked close and we walked across it, across this relief map, across Gippsland and I mean this was like 15 years ago, before we ever even thought about having campuses or, you know, that type of thing. But that is just so clear to me, the way that we link arms and the way that we um, serve together and join together as a community and we just walk across um, our community, our region. It's very powerful to me. Uh, You guys have probably forgotten that I ever shared that because it wasn't as important to you as it is to me. But anyway, there it is again. Um, So this is not about reaching a standard. It probably can sound a little bit like that, that we have to reach this standard and then God will allow us to have the things that we're praying about. It's not about that at all. It's about us waiting on God until our capacity is increased and we're ready for what he will release in us and through us. This won't happen by accident as we pray on the fly, although we actually do need to do that too. All of the ways of praying are are valid and relevant, but this will happen by focused, intentional, prevailing prayer. I'm not saying that we're terrible, that we're not doing any of these things well at the moment. And the ministries that I just spoke about, people are serving so faithfully and we're not terrible. We're great. We're doing a great job. But... I don't know about you, but I I couldn't raise my hand and say that I'm doing it as best as I possibly could yet. I'm not there yet. And hopefully um, everyone else is humble enough to say that they're not too. Um, We can do better. We can do more. We can, um, you know, through God working through us. It's not us. It's God working through us. But we, we can be more. So ask God what it is that he has for you. Maybe something for you to do or something for you to step into. And then pray into that. And do not let go until you have that thing or until that thing becomes a reality. Never stop until it happens. And here's something that I heard somebody say during the week. I don't know the guy's name, so I can't look it up again. Um, 
But he, he was talking about revival and his dreams and visions, what God had shared with him, what God had shown him that could happen. And he said that he wants to be in the place where he has exchanged his dreams and his visions for memories because they've already happened. Hopefully, let's, uh, let's get into that place too. Hopefully, um, we can be in a place where, where we will one day exchange those dreams and those visions that we have for our community, for God reaching our community, for God working through us, through our ministries, for our community to come to know him. And we will have exchanged those dreams for memories because he's already done it. As the team comes back, sorry, I haven't given you any warning. There was a spot where I was supposed to say that and I didn't. Um, they can sprint back up, I know. Um, so as we uh, join together in worship again, uh, this is going to be a really helpful song um, to speak into what I've shared with you. Um, just really focus on that. And hopefully I've whetted your appetite, like research revival. Um, watch clips about where revival has happened, not because we're chasing after that sort of experience of revival, but just to get you excited to see what God is doing still in the world today um, and this week hopefully um, I don't want you to just just think oh that was a good message or whatever I want you to actually do some things so I want you to actually be thinking about revival I want you to be praying about revival I want you to ask God what it is that he wants you to do um, about revival so whether that's your personal revival which we all need to have or whether it's you know transformational revival that will happen in our community make sure that you don't just listen and then forget actually go about your week differently because of uh, what we've all learned here today hopefully let's pray together god we thank you we thank you so much for the way that you reveal things to us god we thank you for the way that you reveal our heart to us as we draw draw near to you and god i pray as we go this morning god that you will continue to speak to us as we draw close to you, God, that you will continue um, to enlarge our territory, enlarge our thinking. And God, that you will give us a heart for mission, that you will give us a heart for revival. And God, we thank you that you continue to use people like us, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. In Jesus' name, amen. you to sing this song as a prayer. I think it's really been written and intended to be a prayer. I worship your holy 
such a pleasure to have you here.